what do you think the UK PLC as a concept means to the rest of the world? And how has that been altered by the fact that we're now no longer a member of the EU? I've been here just over two years, and I've not been asked once about what Brexit means in terms of how companies here deal with UK PLC. The the only view that I've heard expressed is bemusement that a country as small as the UK would choose to leave a massive trading block. And that's the perspective from this part of the world. Um, the UK as a country is no longer seen as an imperial force that once ruled a third of the world, including obviously Hong Kong, uh, the Indian subcontinent, and other parts of Asia. Now it is seen as a small middle power uh, that's extricated itself from what was a much bigger economic block and therefore potential uh, negotiating um, adversary. When it comes to, to UK PLC, it's worth remembering within all of that, nonetheless, that the UK is still home to global businesses, uh, worldwide um, uh, companies that have a brand and a presence uh, really everywhere. And of course, in Hong Kong, which is Asia's financial hub, the presence of uh, British banks and financial services companies is very significant indeed. Uh, what I think Brexit does to that is it makes it a little bit more complicated because invariably, if you are operating in this environment, want to be connected to the biggest market. In Hong Kong, one of the changes that's happened in the last, let's say, decade or so is that you've seen the French overtake the British as one of the single biggest expatriate communities in this city, largely because big banks have opened divisions here to become a much more significant presence in the financial services sector. An example which demonstrates the gap in some views of Britain's place in the world and reality, with the FT, I recently, uh, in 2018, held a little debate series where the Oxford Union-style uh, conversation was around whether Brexit was best for Britain. And we did this in Shanghai and in Hong Kong. In Shanghai, uh, the whole question around Brexit was part of the literary festival there, and it was a curiosity more than a serious conversation. In Hong Kong, we did it, and when I argued that Brexit was a bad thing for Britain, one middle-aged expatriate in the crowd chastised me, saying that I was talking down Britain and that actually it was preposterous that one of Britain's biggest trading partners was Ireland rather than China. When we explained to him the way trade negotiations work and the fact that China sees the UK as a tiny dot and a much less significant player economically, he was not best pleased. And I think that just highlights this gap and this chasm between some of the rhetoric and some of the positivity emanating out of Downing Street and government and the pro-Brexit side with how people really view things out here. And I think that will become something that will become a bit of a challenge invariably as they look to to do more trade deals and business. I mean, surely it, it seems to me that the Politburo in Beijing 
is, you know, nothing but pragmatic. And if it makes things sort of slightly more awkward for them, now they've got this new huge trade deal with the EU, then we could be sort of gliding towards irrelevance. And particularly also, we have that residual relationship with Hong Kong, where, you know, we're supposed to be a guarantor of their freedoms, aren't we? So actually, I would imagine that the UK government is down as a sort of irritant and and potential problem for them. In the context of last year's protests um, and the lingering effects of the sweeping crackdown we've seen this year in 2021, uh, the role of the UK is precisely that. It's an irritant. This sense of being wronged and slighted by the British is a part of the narrative that informs thinking at the top levels of government in China. So all of the vociferous opposition to China's actions by the UK is looked down upon very strongly. The sense that Boris Johnson has aligned himself very closely with the regime of Donald Trump has not gone down particularly well. And of course, there have been certain kind of commercial decisions which have not played well here. Let's take one, for example, in Huawei. Uh, Huawei has for many years embedded itself uh, very deeply in the UK telecoms and uh, technology sector, um, setting up institutes at universities there to, to study 5G and looking to build out networks for UK telecoms groups. And of course, the decision to uh, by the UK to act, act against Huawei um, on that front, uh, led by the US, and the, and the broader sense of a hardening towards China will not be looked at favorably among Beijing. At the same time, as you say, uh, China is very pragmatic, but I would say that the, the dynamics and the power balance between those two sides is certainly not what it was in the 19th century, let alone in the 20th. We're used to taking advice from smart Canadians. We have one as the head of the Bank of England. So if you were put in charge of a brand exercise plus a strategic exercise for UK PLC in 2021, you're given the brief of trying to sort of step out into that bright new future. What would your advice to the UK be? Clearly, you think it's a disadvantage not being a member of the EU, but what can we do to sort of find ourselves a new niche and a new identity? embracing all those soft power aspects of Britain. Uh, the creative services, the creative industries are huge ways of emphasizing uh, what the UK brings to the rest of the world. But also, I think there needs to be a reconciling uh, between uh, these two competing supposed narratives that the UK wants to sell the world. On the one hand, it says, we are global Britain, and we are ready to embrace uh, a new era of Singapore-style low regulation, open trading, and so on and so forth. At the same time, the move to pull out of the EU and quotes which feature prominently overseas by people like uh, Ian Duncan Smith saying that I wish I was 21 again and could embrace the buccaneering spirit and go on to dominate the world once again, those kind of sentiments probably need to be put on the back burner. Um, Britain does have a great story to tell. It remains an important country economically. Its businesses are world leaders in many ways. 
but uh, some recognition that perhaps uh, its power to influence things uh, is not the same as it once was. And I think beyond the branding, one thing it probably needs to get better at is competence of governance. Uh, again, looking at the past year, uh, at the handling of the coronavirus crisis, at the decision to possibly pull out of treaties the UK had signed in good faith, all of those things chip away at any credibility the UK ever had to do deals. And that really trips away again uh, at what we call brand Britain. Um, when the UK lectures China about not upholding its side of the treaty uh, governing the handover of Hong Kong to Chinese sovereignty uh, for 50 years, the Chinese will now say, well, frankly, you have no uh, credibility to lecture us when you yourself do not adhere to treaties which you have signed to. Okay, now finally, a personal question, Ravi. I mean, the FT is famously a bit like the Foreign Office. You get your postings abroad. With what degree of relish would you welcome a decision by your master's back in London to bring you back to the UK after your term is finished in Hong Kong? You know, I'm open to it. Uh, London remains a great city and the UK remains a great country. But I do think uh, the challenges facing it are substantial. And how that plays out will become harder and harder. What are the consequences economically for people who own properties in the UK? Are the prices going to die? If the economy is battered, will it become even harder to live in a very expensive city such as London, I suspect it may do. Will services, which have already been battered by years of austerity, become much more difficult to sustain? There is much that is great about the UK. Um, and having lived there for 20 years, I still have very affectionate thoughts about it. So I'm certainly not averse, but I do think its place in the world is a very different one from when I first arrived in 1997. 